Welcome to Saturday Night's All Right for podcasting, delivered to you on a chrome-plated tray by Elton John World. I'm George Matlock, your host for tonight's programme. You heard me right, it's Saturday Night's All Right, not all tight. We like to loosen tongues on this show and expect some convo banter. This is the second edition of our podcast for Elton John Radio. On this show, we want to, well, I suppose, connect with everyone in, on the Elton John storyboard. And that includes, of course, the fans, without whom there would be no Elton John. Today's guest is someone whom I've known for about 20 years. And he is a singer, songwriter, whose new album is out on the 1st of November. And he's had some very interesting string arrangements and mixing on this particular album, handled by some absolute giants in Elton John's world. Now, he joins us from the side of the highway somewhere in the United States. Well, now, can we have a very warm and genuine applause, please, for our guest today? It is David Scott Crawford. Okay, fantastic stuff. David, can you hear us? Yes, I'm having a great time. Fabulous. It's great to have you on the show, David. And uh, it is about 20 years, isn't it, since we, we met? Do you remember how we met? Yes, I was looking at a bulletin board at the, uh, the new studio suite in Reading that was dedicated to Gus Dudgeon at some of the pictures. And I think you and I were commenting on some of them. And then um, you asked me a few questions, I think, uh, about a project I was working on at the time, my album Bella Pock. And uh, so that's we met in Reading. All those in England. Ago. In England. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And and who better than uh, for in the memory of the one one and only Gus Dudgeon as well. Now that was indeed twenty years ago, and um, we've sort of I've sort of followed you on and off over those years, but we haven't really spoken at all, have we, in that time? So it's really a great pleasure to have you uh, on the show like this. And um, I guess you've had a very eventful twenty years since we since we met. I have. I have a 22-year-old son uh, who was about two, two years old at the, at the time. He's uh, a wonderful young man. We, uh, we still get along after all this time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and uh, it's been very eventful. Yes, I released an album in 2006, and I've got a new album coming out. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me to do this, George. No, it's an absolute pleasure. So let's get to the music. Um, and But before we do, I, I guess we've got to ask you this. Um, you know, you've been an Elton John fan for a fair few years. Uh, what song got you hooked and has Elton's style of music influenced your own songwriting? The song that got me hooked was I was riding in New Orleans in the backseat of a car with my family and the radio was on and there was this song called Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, 1974, driving past the Superdome in New Orleans. And I was like, who is that? And I had already heard of Elton John when I was living in Libya, Tripoli, Libya. Around age nine or ten, there was a, a girl that um, 
did a cover of Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting on the <laughs> on the on a piano with two other singers, which doesn't really cut it. Let's face it, you need Davy Johnson in there to make that one rock. But um, so I had heard of Elton, but uh, the song that hooked me was "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me." Shortly after that, we moved to England, and. Hmm. This very same girl was a boarder at her house while she was attending school. This was in Carshalton Beaches. We lived in Carshalton Beaches. Mm -hmm. And and this girl would live uh, stay with our family on the weekends. And she was a, a pretty good piano player. And she taught me to play your song. So that was really my first wow. foray into becoming a, a piano player and then eventually a songwriter. How amazing. Okay, well, that's a wonderful story. And of course, what better than your song to be the inspiration for all of that? Absolutely fantastic. I hope you've stayed in touch with the young lady. Her name is Jenny. Um, but no, we've kind of lost touch over the years. Um, her father was uh, the minister at a church we attended in Tripoli, Libya. And uh, I haven't seen her for decades, but she was a lovely person and a good singer and a good piano player. So she was a, a huge Elton fan, and that was passed on to me in terms of some of his piano stylings and his records. And I just started buying more and more records when we were living over in England. Right. Um, I was really, we actually moved there in 75, and that was, of course, the year the Captain Fantastic came out. And I went and bought that, that album, and what a wonderful adventure that album was, opening it up and all the... The uh, the inserts and the booklets and the scrapbooks and the story of mm. of Elton and Bernie's um, you know composing leading up to their their massive success in 1970. So um, yeah, I was very much in an Elton world at that time. Absolutely, and you still are, and you're still orbiting like a satellite round Elton John's world, aren't you? Um, I just want to say also how much I'm enjoying doing, doing this interview as it as it happens for, on a very self-indulgent basis. I had no idea, for example, that you ever lived in Tripoli. I mean, you get about. I'm asked to say you, get, you do get about. I've lived many places uh, growing up. My father was a petroleum engineer, so ah, we moved right. all over the place. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So let's get to the music now. Uh, you have a new album that's uh, out very shortly, in a f literally a, f a few days from now. And before we reveal all, let's play a track from this album. And let's see if Elton fans can fathom who arranged the strings on this superb up-tempo track. Now, a song which seems to equate with David's access to a top recording army. This song is called Touch the stars. Okay, that's David. That's an amazing track indeed. That is Touch the Stars from David Scott Crawford. We've got him on the line right now here on the Radio Elton John podcast. Saturday nights all right for podcasting. David, I've got to ask you. I mean, we, we had to play a fair amount of that just to get to the strings, of course. But um, um, before we say any, anything more, I just want to say what a lovely track. Honky Tonk there. It's a very evocative piece, very up-tempo. Now, I also want to say that I really love the way that the last note on that uh, song loops repetitively, which listeners will now have to buy in order to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I should nice be, move, George. I should, be yes. a, I should be your marketing man. No, okay. Um, now, you've got to tell us, without any further ado, who is the arranger, the famous arranger on that track? 
Well, I don't know if Elton fans will have heard of this man, but his name is Paul Buckmaster. <laughs> I'm right. joking, of course. No, he's he's the <laughs> arranger on that. Yeah. Wow. But um, yep. Okay. Well, now for those who who are uninitiated, and I, I think that's very few of the listeners to this program, but we got to account for everyone. Let's let's just go very quickly through the the ro- the roll call for uh, Paul Buckmaster. Now, for those who don't know, he worked on many iconic Elton John tracks. Um, the most recent in 2002 would have been This Train Don't Stop There Anymore and Original Sin. In 1995, he was with Believe, another big uh, hit, uh, top 10 hit in the UK. Don't forget also Have Mercy on the Criminal, Tiny Dancer, Leave On. These are all tracks, by the way, you can hear on Elton's Goodbye Tour at present. There's also, of course, Wait For It, The Incomparable, Your Song as well as Border Song, The Greatest Discovery, where he played the intro, the cello intro, and 60 Years On. Don't forget the two albums, the single, A Single Man and also Blue Moves. And I'm just going to sneak it in there, David, for you, that one of his many other top artists that he worked for was, of course, the wonderful Harry Nielsen and his epoch of a track, mm-hmm. Without You. So... I need to take a breather here and let you do the rest of the talking, actually. Um, you are talking about here about string arrangement royalty. How did you come to connect with Paul Buckmaster? Um, I actually called someone in Nashville said, do you know how we can get a hold of um, Paul Buckmaster? I had a contact with the label in uh, Nashville. This was some years ago. And um, they gave me his agent's... Uh, Phone number, Tim McDaniel, who was his agent at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I was on the phone with Paul Buckmaster maybe a week later, and I could not believe it. And uh, so he did an arrangement for my album, Bella Puck, which came out in 2006. And he, he told me he loved doing the work. He said, do you have any more I can do? So we ended up doing four arrangements on that album. Wow. But it was basically just... Asking around, getting his contact information, and I really consider Paul a friend. We have used to talk on the phone all the time, mm. and uh, I miss him very, very much. Yeah, of course we all do, and and uh, you know he's one of the guys I would definitely have loved to have uh, invited onto this program, but of course we cannot. But tell us about Paul. So you you spoke to him often on the phone. Did did he give give you any any anecdotes that you're safe to tell us and share us? With? Yes, he did. He told me he was at Elton's... Actually, he was at Brian Forbes' home with Elton at a party once, and Elton smashed his face with a, with a cream pie. As you do. Uh, uh, in fact, I think that, that there's something very similar to that on the um, Goodbye, Norma Jean yeah. uh, uh, video, right, uh, documentary by, that Brian Forbes... Yeah, exactly. It was made by Forbes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, okay. Well, it seems like it's a bit of a habit of the, of the, of the year of 1973, which that w- would have been when that, was, uh, when that was recorded, of course, by Brian Forbes. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, well, I think, um, you know, after that incredible story... <laughs> I, yeah, we, like, we like our rockets on here, you know. Um, I think we should treat ourselves to some more Paul Buckmaster, if you don't mind. Um, absolutely. Absolutely incredible arrangement. Now, this next track that we're going to play uh, is, uh, is, is one of my favourites um, on, on your album. This two uh, features, and it's called An Episode With You. An episode with you, ladies and gentlemen. The luscious strings there, absolutely luscious strings. 
I'm a bit emotional at this point, I have to tell you. Um, it is my favourite track on that album, I have to say. Uh, we're going to find out a little bit more about it. David Scott Crawford is the artist on this, uh, on this and uh, it is his album we'll be, uh, we're talking about here on the programme today. We've just had, literally, an episode on this, of, the, of this podcast with the late, great Paul Buckmaster. Now, bringing you back in here, David... Um, uh, yeah, I'm very emotional when I heard that song. It is so authentically Paul Buckmaster, isn't it? it it's a beautiful arrangement, oh. and uh, particularly the outro. Um, I went through some harmonic changes on the piano, and Paul just did these beautiful cinematic lines mm-hmm. uh, that are just, yeah, I'm feeling emotional too. It's it's one of my favorite Paul Buckmaster <laughs> arrangements, and, it, and it's one of my songs. I can't believe it, you know, so... Uh, yeah, it's it, and Paul, you know, said some very kind words about about that song, and uh, I I take those kind words and the compliments uh, uh, about it with me uh, in life as as a, a way to move forward and to continue to feel inspired to keep writing, you know. Okay, and uh, can you reveal what did he say about the song? He, he he must have loved working on this because you can tell he's really put his whole heart into this. I mean, that's that would be my take. I mean, just. Uh, listening to that track, he must have put his entire heart into it. It's, it's evident, isn't it? Yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, yeah. So. Okay, well, uh, wonderful, wonderful piece. Um, now, I have to say, just lightening the mood a little bit, when I, when I, when I first saw, you know how you, we always judge something when we see the name of the song, even before we've heard it. So we look at an album, we look at down the list, okay, and then we say, yeah. and, and, okay, and it says here, this, this track here is called An Episode With You. Now, the first thing that came to my mind was somebody having an epileptic fit. <laughs> you know. Yes, an episodic, uh, yeah. yes. You know, they just said an episode, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, now, the story, what's the story behind this song? I mean, obviously the choice of the name of the song and, and uh, what, what sort of inspired you to write this? Because it's an absolutely beautiful uh, ballad. Well, thank you. Um, I get a lot of uh, good feedback on that song. Um, I was watching uh, Larry King uh, interviewing a very famous actress mm-hmm. who had just gone through a horrible breakup and it was in all the news. And her vulnerability and her honesty and the tools that she was using to get through it really touched me. Mm. And I had heard of her, but I hadn't watched any of the episodes for a particular TV show that she was famous for. So I decided to write an episode in my imagination of what it would be like to meet her and be in an episode with her. Mm-hmm. And in, in this episode, we fall in love and uh, the song takes place... The setting of the song is New York. There's some hints, Bleecker Street, and the park of, is Central Park. and uh, So that was the inspiration, was this particular uh, particular, particular actor that uh, just touched me during an interview, and I decided to imagine what it would be like to be in a relationship with her. And it's also a song that... I'm a, I'm a professional actor as well, and you, you can tend to get emotional connections with people that you work with, hmm. In, in the acting world, they call it showmances. And there's a, there's a sort of a, an arc to the excitement of a production. And um, so there's, a, there's the metaphor for, I think, many of us have had these beautiful golden um, experiences with, with others. And there's a high from being in love with someone. But it, the arc of a love affair does eventually come to an end, doesn't it? I mean, in some degree. So that's... There's a couple different 
levels to the song. Right. It sounds a little bit, from what you explained there, uh, uh, like the inspiration behind Candle in the Wind and, and the words of Bernie Taupin, obviously in that case about Marilyn Monroe. But you almost see some synergy there when, when, you, when you explain it like that. I think that's really insightful, yes. I would have liked to have known you, but I was just a kid. I think we right. connect with yeah. we, we connect with characters, we connect with celebrities on an emotional level and and especially during during COVID when people were shut down watching episode after episode after episode on Netflix. There can be a, a, a an emotional <laughs> yeah. it can get it can get kind of weird. Let's face it. Um, but uh, stories and movies and films and television Look, if we're not connecting with them emotionally on some level, they're not doing their job and we're not engaging, right? So That's very true. Um, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Okay, moving on. And now, we have so far teased on this show without revealing the title of the new album. Before we do, still, still cliffhanger, still cliffhanger, I wanted to ask you, David... Um, how long um, it was in the making, this album, uh, given that, of course, uh, Paul Buckmaster sadly died in 2017? Right. Well, uh, I started the very first track uh, in January of 2017. Paul did an arrangement for me, I think, in March or April of 2017, and then he did two more arrangements. Uh, one of them is a trumpet arrangement in the style of Miles Davis. He's a huge Miles Davis fan and worked mm -hmm. with Miles Davis. Wow. Uh, so I had him arrange a, a trumpet a segment for a particular song on the album called uh, That Old Town. Okay, fantastic. So so, uh, so then um, I went through kind of a bit of a dark night of the soul after about six, seven months of recording and uh, sort of stepped away from the project. And then during COVID, it, it took up a couple of years there too. So, But I, I heard about... Paul's very untimely and tragic death in November mm. of 2017, and uh, that that was that was very difficult to take in. Of course, yeah. and and I guess that your the work he did with you must have counted among the last arrangements that he did. I believe they were. I don't know what the very last arrangement he did, but I know he was working with Brandy Carlisle. Mm -hmm. Uh, at the same time, he actually shared some of those arrangements with me when we were uh, talking about things. And on the phone, he trusted me, and he would share arrangements that he had done with Elton and with Brandy Carlisle prior to releases. And I was very careful to never let those leak. Um, of course, of course. Yeah. But he sounds yeah. sounds to me like uh, when when you describe Paul, and I say I've never had I never had the pleasure and the honor to to meet him and to speak to him. Um, but the thing about Paul, when, when you describe him, is that he sounds very much like he's cut from the same cloth as Gus Dudgeon. You know, Gus was somebody who, I mean, I did get to know very well and befriend, and he was a, a really, and he and she and his wife, Sheila, were wonderful people, really fun people to be around. But they were also like that. You know, they would say, oh, have a listen to this. Um, and, and, you, it, don't be naughty, don't, don't record it, but just listen to this. You know, it was that kind of, you know, um, they were happy to share what they were working on, what it, you know, what, what he was doing. Uh, that was the kind of person that Gus was. It sounds like Paul was pretty much like that as well. I would say that's probably accurate to some degree. I only spoke with Gus on the phone one time, never met him, but we did exchange emails. Hmm. And he listened to an album that I had released back in uh, 1997, 99. That was my first contact with, with Gus. Us. They were both, I think, incredibly accessible people. Yeah. Uh, in, in many ways. Uh, would you 
Would you agree with that in terms of your own experience? I would definitely. I would definitely. And and, and Gus, you know, one of the, we we invited him to a convention. Uh, we we held um, for, uh, one of the first things that actually Elton John World did when we when we launched the website uh, back in two thousand and two, just before his untimely death. In fact, um, he he came along. Uh, Charlie Morgan was there, and uh, also uh, we had um, uh, Roger Pope. Uh, as well at this event, and um, one of the things that was amazing was that Gus just said, "Right, bring bring all your bring all your CDs to the front here. I'll, I'll just sign them all." And he just literally sat there and writing the right way through, and he was just just so easy. You know, he was very much the fan's friend. He was very accessible. So I think that's a very good choice of words, uh, David. He listened to uh, an album that I was working on back in 97, 98, and he listened to every song, and he gave me handwritten notes hmm. in a letter, a personal letter. This was before email was that prevalent. And, um, he, you know, this guy in Chicago, he had never met, never heard of, wasn't famous, you know, and he took the time to sharpen my skills as a songwriter and, and in, in terms of how I was approaching my recordings. In fact, even made some suggestions for my album, Bella Pock, before it was released. Mm. An, an example is there's a song called Black Box, which is a really cool, funky Paul Buckmaster arrangement for a very trippy song, kind of in the vein of John Lennon. And so on the song Back, Black Box, he suggested I sing the lead melody an octave higher, like Elton does in Philadelphia Freedom, and I ended up incorporating that into the uh, recording. So he's just very helpful, very accessible. Mm. Um, not a pushover by any means. I would say, <laughs> I would say Paul was known for being extremely intense and extremely well. I somewhat, I mean, his genius as an arranger was was benefited by his being a very temperamental person, and you hear that on Mad Men Across the Water and those those. I mean, he just really took strings into new territory, mm. and and I think his his beautiful temperamental sometimes difficult personality uh was part of his genius well of course a lot of creative people are temperamental um i'm not mentioning any names on this show that might be connected with this uh, website um mozart okay let's go with mozart that's safe let's go with yeah 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 tantrums and things like that occasionally yes right. exactly <laughs> uh, i didn't I don't, your words not mine sir not your words not mine okay um well absolutely right um, now we now comes the exciting part of the show where we can reveal the name of your new album. It is called The Penultimate Motel. And it seems to relate to a time on the road. It's true that uh, so many stories uh, that we hear from artists uh, start somehow with the car radio playing. You've heard all these interviews over the years where people have said that. But in your case, you've got a pretty good alibi, haven't you? You are connected. You, this album is connected to the road in some way, isn't it? Very much so. I love road trips. And uh, my son, Liam, and I spend a lot of time traveling, fishing, uh, going to visit places that we've always wanted to see, historical sites in the United States. And during COVID, I took two long trips to just... Uh, saved my sanity from being, you know, just sitting in this apartment in the mm -hmm. shutdown. Um, so I love the American lands landscapes and love staying in a, a nice quality motel with clean sheets. And um, I love listening to albums in, in, in the car. One of my favorite road trip albums is Tumbleweed Connection. It's just mm -hmm. a great song to listen to. 
you know, we have these extensive highway systems in the United States that take you through all these different kinds of mm. places, mountains and deserts and plains and swamps and, you know, I mean, everything. So um, there's a lot to explore and it inspires the musical part of me. So this album is very much inspired by being on the road <laughs> and traveling. Okay, now let's turn to the artwork for this album. Um, now, I, I know that there is also a bit of an Elton link here. Um, you teamed up with Elton fan John F. Higgins, didn't you? I did. Uh, John is a friend, and I've seen many of his beautiful uh, articles and, and creations on eltonjohn.com. So, yes. Uh, Fantastic. Okay. Yep. All right, nice one. And we have a real treat now for the closer track. Um, many of you will know the name, and I'm going to drop it in right away, David Henschel. Now, David Henschel, who composed the score for Michael Caine's movie Educating Rita, and also played synthesizer on several Elton recordings, including Rocket Man and Funeral for a Friend. He mixed our closing track, Life Brought Me You. How did you come to know David? Um, Gus Dudgeon gave me his co contact information and I emailed him and asked him if he would be interested in playing synth on my album Bella Park and he ended up mixing the whole album on my last my last album so it was basically through Gus uh, David seemed to enjoy working with me and uh, did some beautiful beautiful synth work on the title track of the album Bella Park and then ended up mixing the whole thing for me. Wow. Um, and then he, and he started to mix this album and, um, I ended up really going in a different direction in terms of mixing it, but uh, I love the mix he did on this particular track. So we kept it and he plays synth on, uh, I think one, one or two songs on the, on this most recent album, the penultimate motel as well. Yeah. Okay, right. So, so just to get this right, so he was going in one direction with the mix, and you ended up going in another, but you retained one of one of the tracks uh, in its form uh, as mixed by David. That's correct. Yes. Right. Okay. All right. Well, let's, uh, David. Uh, let's uh, say first of all, the album is uh, uh, about to be released. So, where can people find your album? How can they connect? couple different ways. Um, I would recommend if you're on Facebook, go to at DSC, capital DSC, and then lowercase entertainer. That's my um, fan page on Facebook. And then I also have a personal page. And I like to think that I'm relatively accessible there too. So I will be providing links uh, to either stream the album from various uh, platforms and or to buy the CD. I love CDs. I think Elton's that way too, George, isn't he? Yeah, he does. He loves CDs. Well, they're, they're still preeminent. Let's face it, you can have all the streaming you want, but everything is compressed. It's not, it's never going to be 1,411 kbps, which is pretty much what you're getting every time you buy yourself a CD. You know, CD quality is way better than streaming. Wouldn't you well, say? Well, I love... I love opening up the CD, seeing the artwork. Mm. Uh, we've done a beautiful, John and I collaborated on really creating a beautiful CD package that has the lyrics. It gives you all the album credits and um, we printed the lyrics out. Um, mm. It's just, it's it's nice. Um, I And I, I'm a big CD person anyway. I know there's quite a few people that mainly stream their music now, but I do hope to release this on vinyl within the next year as well. That's that's one of my goals is because I'm starting to rebuild my vinyl collection. Oh, right. So, will, this yeah. be, will this be your first album to be released on vinyl? 
It will be, yes. Whoa, that's a big ticket. That's a big ticket. I don't know if you've heard this. There is a delay happening with vinyl releases because of the shortage of the vinyl pellets that they make the uh, press the, the albums out of. So I'm going to wait for, for a while to get some momentum going with the album, with CD and streaming, and then uh, get this thing put on vinyl as well. Okay, well, if I hear that suddenly the price of vinyl has rocketed and there's a, there's, a, there's a shortage in parts of the United States, I'll know it was you. You went out and bought the lot and got got pressing i'm sure that's yes that's the story there <laughs> i'm gonna hoard the vinyl i'm gonna hoard it up and and just yes have a a, a corner on the market with vinyl but um <laughs> yeah but um you know i just want to say it, it it's exciting and feels really good that you really connected with uh with the album and also specifically with one of my favorite songs on the album an episode with you i think i that song for me carries on the the genius legacy of paul buckmaster and and, and I'm, I, I feel good that, that that came across for you. It's, it's a beautiful tribute also to Paul. I mean, I'm, I'm pleased that you, you have been both uh, a, a great artist to talk to and also an ambassador for Paul, in a sense, uh, by being able to relate some of his stories today and, 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 and to, to share with us this incredible work that he was doing just a few years ago, in fact, just sadly before he passed away. David Scott Crawford, it has been an absolute pleasure to have an Elton fan on this show, but doubly when you have been working with so many Elton luminaries yourself. We salute you at Elton John World. So with that, uh, good luck with the new album. We're going to play out with that track, which I did promise you. It's called Life Brought Me You. Thank you, George. Thank you. Thank you.